Hello and welcome to the Friday Chill Out. It is Friday. I am Tristan Reina coming to you from Ireland and with co-host Martin from Tagartar and the Friday Chill Out. Martin, how are you going? How are things? I'm doing great. I'm very happy that you're back to civilization and then you have an internet connection that can carry a podcast. Very exciting. Yeah. Things have been a little tough out in Ireland. Um, I'm on the West Coast. Uh, it's very rugged and beautiful. Um, and there's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of infrastructure sometimes. And um, the, the one thing we are having, I'm looking at, uh, is uh, sun. It's incredibly sunny uh, and beautiful at the moment. Um, I've I'll, seen pictures. It looks like you're on some Italian beach or something. <laughs> it's really strange. Um, we, we're joking that uh, the, the people of Ireland tell each other that it, it's rainy and windy all the time. So that people don't show up, and they can keep this like French Riviera situation to themselves. <laughs> Only fair that they would have figured it out if that was the plan. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Martin, you're back from a little trip to London. Um, I, I, you want to save a lot of what you want to talk about for a video, but um, how was it? How was it being uh, flown over to to nothing to to have a chat about uh, what they're up to? Yeah, so uh, for like a brief summary, basically nothing invited me and I want to say six other YouTubers, something like that, uh, over to London to the others are all making videos about the ear too and like the process of making earphones and like uh, design process and like you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I uh, was the one who was going to be talking about uh, how to make a phone actually. Uh, so this is not the Nothing Phone 2 yet. That's uh, going to be a separate PR event because, as you know, Nothing, they will do 47 rounds of... <laughs> every every part of the content will be milked until death. Um, but actually, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited because, because uh, since the Phone 1 uh, is something that's like not really a trade secret anymore or anything, uh, they were extremely open. Like, surprisingly, I have never seen a company remotely this open about talking about <laughs> the actual details of what went into making the phone, um, the components, costs, how many people, what processes, which suppliers, and so on. So uh, I want to make a video about, uh, and actually got to interview Carl Pay as well, the CEO, and, and well. talk to the head of marketing, the head of community, the head of design. It's just like really, really it's just all the people you'd want to talk to. Uh, and, and also like actual like... Um, uh, let's just say lower level engineers and designers who are like actually working specifically with the prototypes and we got to film the the lab and everything um so i want to make a video about the exact process like the actual process not the the vague one but like the actual step-by-step -step process of what it takes to make a phone from from scratch and then how many resources and time and people and money and everything you have to spend at each t uh, stage and what are the actual challenges at each stage so that's like it seems like they, they, we're getting all the info needed for that. And if, if we do, it's going to be like a crazy, interesting video. And how close are you to now being able to make your own phone now that you know all this stuff? Um, I think further than ever. <laughs> because I just, <laughs> you know, like they say, like, whenever you start a startup, like like half of why people succeed with startups is because they, they just don't know how difficult it's going to be. So you go in with a sense of like optimism that like, I don't know, like somehow I'll figure this out along the way. But then if you just like visualize the actual process in advance, you'd never, you'd never start. Like if you visualized how much work it's going to be and the odds of failure versus success, the rational choice is almost always to just never even try. So uh, I feel like <laughs> see I've seen how many companies have failed at making a new phone. Uh, I've I've talked to many of them myself, but in the past, <laughs> and now I've actually seen the process of what it takes to to like make it, 
And uh, uh, the answer is absolutely no. <laughs> no way in hell. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd maybe like join a team who was doing it with somebody else's money, <laughs> but no way, no way that I'd, I'd do this myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I always like a new Kickstarter. It's like, we have a new phone. It's like a round phone. You should try it. This is just, you know, the minimum you need is so ridiculous. Uh, I'm really, I'm really interested to see this, this, um, this video that you've got to, to talk about, like even, um, lead times on components and you know how you decide this battery versus this battery thickness and i don't know all these, all these little things that i assume you probably got to because you have all the same <laughs> things that you want to talk about uh, to people yeah. about as well and, and a surprising amount of times the this this component versus that component is literally just an engineer being like i like that <laughs> yep. so, yeah so but but yeah we got we got that uh that detail as well yeah the other big event happening this week was um this week it was Computext, um, which is back in a big way and uh, focused on the PC. It seemed like a lot of press was actually there attending um, from a lot of different agencies. Uh, it seemed like a lot of YouTubers were there as well. So some of the cool stuff that we saw there was um, uh, Wi-Fi 7 uh, early devices were out, which may or may not be useful for people um, depending on uh, the bandwidth uh, that they use. Um, we saw a new PCIe 5.0 um, delivering Pretty insane data transfer speeds. I think one MSI drive reached fourteen thousand five hundred and twenty megabits per second, which is pretty insane. Was uh, it but megabits the, or megabytes? Uh, megabytes. Sorry, yeah, my bad. Megabytes. Yeah, yeah, big B. That's it gets um, crazy. Fourteen thousand megabytes per second. That is yeah, fourteen and a half yeah. gigs a second. So that would be useful for YouTube stuff, I assumed. Uh, I assume, yeah. I mean, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we'll probably put up a, a graphic of this. Um, those, SS, those SSDs doing that now need serious cooling. It's actually pretty insane. Um, uh, like the, a proper the photo major heatsink with like, a, um, like a, as you would cool your CPU, basically. Which is, <laughs> it's just crazy. So you have your third component in the system that you have to like actively cool like that. Yeah, it's a toasty drive. Um, like basically they were saying they've seen smaller heat sinks on a gpu uh, you know like the last generation gpus not these current monsters that you have um so that seems bad <laughs> you know combined liquid cooling for both the cpu and ssds are gonna be a thing though it seems like that's that's just where we're heading um uh other stuff um MSI also had some new stuff, including a Media Lake uh, laptop. So that's Intel's fourth, fourteenth generation uh, CPU. So um, this is this seems to be some one of the things coming out of uh, Computex, which is if you poke around a little bit and start like scratching at the labels, you can find some stuff that maybe companies don't necessarily want you to report on. So they or they have a demo and they won't say anything, or uh, they won't give you actually any information. But if you can. Just distract someone long enough, you might be able to like run the settings and check to see how many cores something has. So uh, this report says a Prestige 16 from MSI um, uh, was was shown off at CES this year, but uh, that had a 13th generation chip, and this one definitely has a 14th generation because it has 22 threads, um, six P cores, eight E cores, two E cores, uh, or you know all the stuff that's coming from Intel. Um, but this is a Q4 release, um, and one of the interesting things that I saw is that the current iteration is 30% lighter than the previous. So 
it's all a demonstration. But if if that's the jump that you can make from 30th generation laptops to 14th generation, it might well be worth hanging around and saying, let's not buy anything new. Let's wait for these 14th generation chips to come out on these laptops. This is this is Tristan's strategy for the last 14 years since he has his XPS 15. <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's not wait. Let's not jump on this generation. The next one will be so much better, which he has been I'm, saying since I've known him. <laughs> this time, I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> this time, Tristan is convinced. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the fingerprint sensors died on this, this Dell now. I don't seem to want oh. to... I can't, I can't be bothered fixing it while I'm on uh, this trip, but it yeah, no. doesn't do anything. There's no way to figure out. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, but the, I, I agree with you that I think it's... Right. I agree with you that I think it's fun that you go to uh, Computex, it's in Taiwan, and you basically have the whole Taiwanese supply chain of everything. And because there's so many companies doing so many products, and it's also like, I feel like a lot of them are like kind of a little bit smaller companies or not like that corporate and not that super, super organized. You have like a lot of like opportunity for some some secrets to seep through this <laughs> web of of uh, uh, things at the show. So it's fun. Always little little nuggets to find. Yeah, it sounds like it's a definitely a show to attend. Uh, we might have to plan for that next year to go and just. Play, I would like, love cause chaos. I would actually probably love to go just to be in Taiwan and just to be in. in it's in Taipei, I guess, right? Like I've never actually managed to go dumbly enough while I was in China. Uh, so, All right. so we should probably plan that for our next next year. Yeah, it's. It's the Taipei International Information Technology Show. That's the, you know how all these conferences have a, a, an official name that no one ever uses, and they just call it Computex. Um, a bit like that. Uh, so yeah, okay, we'll, we'll plan for that in 2024. Um, probably something we'll see in 2024 if we do go is the Fraw Airjet. Now, you remember talking about Fraw a while back? Um, I think December we did a little video on this solid-state cooling device. Um, which they're not talking about the technology exactly, but it seems like it's this MEMS MEMS, um, so like micro components, the actual mechanical components uh, that are on a chip. Um, uh, so it's called solid state cooling. Um, and yeah, so they had these showed off, and we saw a bunch of YouTubers, and, um, uh, you know, The Verge and so on, actually had their hands on uh, with 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 this device that we've seen. Um, if you remember, they raised 116 million in funding to try and make it a reality. Seems like it's gonna get there for laptops, tablets, gaming handhelds in terms of um, the cooling output. But do you want to recap what it was, or do you remember what it was? Um, yeah, this is a good test for you. I do, I do. Abs- absolutely. I'm actually this is actually I think the most exciting uh, like tech innovation in the like laptop and computing space in the like basically since the M1 Max. I think like uh, this it, it is like a paradigm shift potentially for basically all of computing. So the concept is that in the past you used to cool chips by either attaching a heatsink to them or also blowing air through that heatsink, like or water cooling. But these are the ma- the main ones. Um, and so this is called active cooling. But of course, it takes up a lot of space. You have to have this rotating fan and everything, and it's uh, not great. Um, so instead, they make a chip. So there's actually a, a thing that's manufactured like a semiconductor using uh, uh, extreme ultraviolet lithography and blah, blah, blah. Um, it is a tiny little chip that goes on top of your chip. And then inside that, they have they use, uh, I think, piezoelectricity is the, uh, the official term. But uh, it's this like um, 
quasi-magnetic resonance. So you, you, you put uh, electricity through this uh, special material in a, in a very particular way, and it, it generates wind. <laughs> it it uh, vibrates in a, in, a, in a very specific uh, frequency, and then it generates wind that is insanely uh, high speed. Um, and it's this, this like really it's like chip size. I think it's just a few millimeters thick. So it it doesn't have a huge fan on top. It doesn't have to do anything like that. And it can actually cool the chip even better than a small uh, fan could with a small heatsink. So you have way better cooling than you had in the past. It's way smaller. You can make it dust proof. So you can uh, have you don't have to have like fans on the bottom of your device. Um, so you can run these chips much at much higher uh, uh, frequencies. They can, you can let them get much hotter. Uh, you can control the airflow a little bit better because you have these very uh, specific channels of air. And um, you can theoretically uh, cram a lot more power uh, into a much smaller device than you could before. They're showing these primarily on laptops. And at Computex, we've seen some real demos. So there's this like Zotac. Uh, mini computer basically it's like an yes. intel NUC used to be so it's a it's a small computer all in one um and that one uh basically in the past would have had to be passively cooled so just uh just a heat sink but no fan on top uh but now they managed to put active cooling into the same size chassis so you can like double the performance basically because of that uh, and they also have a couple of um laptop uh prototypes where they essentially put uh, a bunch of these they're called air jets they put a bunch of these air jets uh onto a regular laptop and then just cool it with that with no major modifications so this is the first time that we've actually like actual real media has seen it in actual real devices and uh it is working so in the past it all sounded great but now we can tell that it's working and it, uh, it sounds really really exciting yeah so a few things from that is that i think intel and qualcomm invested um, into fraud. I think Intel's a customer. They want to use it in their uh, Intel Evo um, devices. Uh, I I can't be, I'm not exactly 100% sure of this, but I'm pretty sure that Intel had some patents in this area or like did some work in this area and it didn't go anywhere and they let it lapse. So they had an interest in this and then didn't make it happen. So it feels like Maybe some of these things have been in the lab for a little while. Um, I think the idea of a pulsating heat sink, uh, 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 not heat sink, uh, heat pipe has been around for a while. I, I guess all these concepts uh, have been around for a while. Physics knows how to get heat out of something, but turning them into commercial devices is where it gets really hard. Um, so, but yeah, I think you're 100% right that um, the limitations of heat are now insane. I'm just talking about SSDs uh, needing dedicated heat devices. So, um, having having this on your phone, having this on your... I don't know if you have it on your phone. Will you? Let me think about this. If you actually Why have not? to pump... You could have... But it, you could Look, look. we even have gaming phones that have little fans inside, right? So uh, if you can make a chip uh, that is high enough performance, and you could do that because you can do active cooling in a phone, which you could never do before, uh, maybe you will have it in a phone. Maybe not, like, I don't think, you know, like your and my phone, the regular yeah, people's phones. that's what I'm sort of thinking, yeah. But like a, we, a Razer, uh, like a like Razer will make a phone, uh -huh. or like, yeah. or, you know, like Asus will make a, a an ROG Ally or, or something that has this, and it's basically a fo phone form factor. So I think 
portable devices will have this as well. It's also like I think it's like one watt for the smaller cooler, and then I think the two other the bigger cooler is like one and a half. So it's not that much power to to cool this. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just trying to think if, if it's worth having a fan essentially got in your iPhone uh, pumping air through. But uh, I guess you, you're right in that like the, the, anything with a fan now that you, you're, you're a bit more used to, that, that'll be the kind of device that has this much more active cooling. Um, and I guess it will shrink even though it will still have a fan. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yeah, and uh, so for now, these are pretty expensive. Uh, I don't think we've seen any uh, exact numbers, uh, or at least I haven't, even though I've looked around a little. But the 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 um, the thing that I hear from everywhere is that they're too expensive for like just like a mainstream ultrabook or something. So uh, that's going to have to come down. Um, but the exciting thing is that this is a chip. So like every time the fab gets better, the, the underlying technology gets better, and that there's a lot of optimization potential still. So this is as as you go into mass manufacturing, this is gonna get a lot cheaper, uh, and uh, as you improve the manufacturing and the design, apparently they have like a not quite a Moore's law like exponential improvement ahead of them, but there's apparently like a significant headroom for improvements which fans don't really have, right? Like fans have been the same for a long time tiny little improvements here and there yeah um but it's like you know how like ssds kind of like leapfrogged hard drives because it's it's a semiconductor as well and you can keep improving it uh much more than you can with the like magnetic uh spinning hard drive stuff so i think the concept is the same that because this is like uh has the potential to improve year over year we could actually see this leapfrog fans overall yeah, yeah. Um, I really hope this catches on. I really hope it's not expensive, and that we can use it on our on our devices before long, and it just becomes a, a natural thing for the device to have these little um, uh, mechanical, electromechanical um, fans uh, at the, built at the semiconductor right. level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Martin, the other thing that has a fan it was a gaming chair, and this looked pretty good. I got to be honest. <laughs> That is a perfect, uh, perfect segue. <laughs> I've, I've sat on a chair. It's been hot, and you know your back gets a bit sweaty. And a chair with a with a fan built in sounds pretty good. I, I think it even has RGB lights. So, you know, what, what could what, what, what do you do? Just like peak Computex. Yeah, and this is the kind of thing when you're a journalist, you're walking around, you're like, oh, there's a PC, there's like 17 laptops from ASUS, there's oh, gaming chair with fan, like that's photo see if your editor wants you to wrap that up you know that's that's the stuff <laughs> that's that's the golden nugget you're going for exactly Plus the 14th gen intel chip that you randomly find in a corner yeah. those right. two things that, that, that's <laughs> what makes it worthwhile um all right man uh i did want to ask you so the um uh one second i'm just finding it ah motorola launched uh the razor uh yesterday june 1st um and in the US, the, the, the big name is the, the Razer Plus, the $1,000 phone or $999 phone uh, with this 3.6-inch out-of-display, the 6.9-inch inner display with the clamshell style, uh, with all the all the specs that you might want other than an 8 Gen 2 chipset, but it has the 8 Plus Gen 1, uh, 165, 1080p panel. Um, and in Europe, it's going to be called the, the Razer 40 Ultra. Um, 
and you've tried it. So, what did what did you think as as a folding phone enthusiast? Uh, yes, yeah, so I don't uh, care that much about the flip phone form factor, even though I find it mm-hmm. cool. But I'm too married to my book style form factor personally. But uh, I have tried it, and this does feel like the future quite a lot. Um, so the uh, whole outer screen. Um, so the, the the phone that I tried was Killian's, my studio mate. I know review. He had a review unit, and I was mm-hmm. trying his uh, while we were in London. Um, but uh, it seems very very exciting. It's really well put together. The crease on the inside is super minimal, so the inside display looks great. The whole outer display is now a screen. I can't wait to see the other side, like the other half of the outside display become a screen as well. And then you just have like (laughs) complete screen everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) But the fact that uh, if you take photos, uh, it instantly turns the viewfinder on on the outside. So like anybody you take photos off sees themselves and then they pose themselves. kind of fun and uh the fact that you can do this with third-party apps like instagram as well actually makes this useful the fact that you can do like any it's like full android running on the outside screen so you can do like answer a whatsapp message or or look at your google maps while you're on it or whatever it actually makes it useful kidian said that he uses it 20 percent of the time i i don't know where i'd end up there but uh 20 percent is a lot Versus, you know, the hmm. Samsungs and the uh, hmm. Oppos that are like probably like four <laughs> um, percent. And yeah, I, I mean, I think the interesting thing to me because I always like to think about these products uh, not just from the perspective of would I use it or do I like it, but rather like as a company, like does this make sense for the company? And, I, and I'm uh, very interested in what Motorola is trying to achieve because the device itself is very clearly a like a fashion product and it's a very rounded pretty delicate and also i think like intentionally kind of feminine product mm. um if you can make products feminine that is but like you know it has the the color like apparently they insisted on killian and all the reviewers getting this like magenta color to review which i really? think is a <laughs> you know a signal that, yeah it's like almost like hot pink basically <laughs> somewhere between hot pink and like sultry red <laughs> somewhere between those two and so to, and it has this uh, collaboration with pantone the pantone for those who don't know is like the company behind industry standard colors i, I suppose is how you put it but they also have this like color of the year and they're trying to get into like fashion and uh, they're trying to influence the design world so they have uh, a pantone collaboration um and to me this feels like motorola it's not just this product, but like Motorola as a brand is trying to get into like the premium lifestyle fashion uh, area rather than just like, you know, techie, techie, techie um, or like people who want value and budget, because I think that's what they've been in the last uh, uh, um, many, many years. They're trying to break out of the like value and budget uh, cr- crowd and t- uh, to get into the the more fashion focused uh, stuff. And I find it, uh, this is like a very interesting product for that. But I do wonder whether anybody who is really into fashion will spend $1,000 on a Motorola phone. Like, I, I, like that is a big jump. A big jump to make. Like, I, I think people don't realize 
like I think a techie will spend a thousand euros on a flip phone that's really cool, that is technically impressive, that has all the right specs and all the right product uh, decisions made. Uh, but whether uh, like you know a f somebody who's into fashion and is like you know mostly cares about lifestyle, whether they'll buy a Motorola phone for a thousand bucks, will, yeah, will they a, switch from their iPhone? That's a good question. I suspect not. Very, very hard for me to imagine. <laughs> Yeah, um, even if it's I, a good I, product, I I don't uh, think it's I don't think it's the main priority. No, I I saw some really cool ads for the Samsung Flip, um, the Z Z Flip Four. Um, I think it was the BTS guys on the New York subway, and it was clearly like cool and edgy and hip. And I was like, yeah, I just don't know. I, I think the people buying this are probably techies. <laughs> uh, I have seen I have seen some people I, with them, I but think... it's tough. Yeah. I think I think Samsung is still okay. Like they've been trying to build and they've been like put, pouring billions into building this like fashionable brand and like you know all the BTS collabs and all the fancy colors and everything. So like they've been they've been at this for a long time and they've done all the the marketing that they could to make it happen. I think it's still as you say it's still a challenge. A lot of people who are into this are probably still just random techies, but I think Samsung has a, a mainstream enough brand and they, they've put enough work into this. But like for Motorola to get there like i think people don't realize how much of a challenge it is to get people to yeah to buy something yeah. like this no so. i think you're right so we'll see um it does seem like the best uh, clamshell phone uh that razor have, have put together uh i don't know if people have been burnt by the first couple of generations really, really cool. yeah and we'll see we'll see how it goes I, I look forward to um i don't know if we'll review it but just seeing how it plays out over the, the coming months um in terms of like price cuts or deals or uh, how, the, how the reviews hold up. Um, Martin, we have to jump over to the mailbag and we have travel questions this week, I think from your travel podcast uh, last week. Um, so first question is, it's pretty simple. What do you think of Airbnb? <laughs> um, and just just for a tiny bit of context, the very latest here is that Airbnb has actually sued New York City over a new law the company calls a de facto ban against short-term rentals and the city plans to enforce the law in july 2023 we've seen a little bit of this in from berlin where the the city has been like well you can't just have airbnb you need a license you need you know various regulations and so airbnb is prevalent but a little bit more restricted um i have my own answer as to as to airbnb but but what do you what do you think generally um I think there's probably two very distinct groups of people that are emerging, which is like the housing crisis people who are saying, we need housing, Airbnb's crazy, we're taking away housing, we're, you know, it's ruining. And then the anti-Airbnb people who, uh, sorry, sorry, and then the, the people who are like um, uh, NIMBYs who don't want Airbnb in their backyards, I guess, essentially. Yeah. So, wait, are they, is that two different groups of people? Is that the same group of people? I'm not sure, but... Maybe it's... Um, <laughs> Yeah. That should probably, yeah, but the NIMBYs will probably also not want affordable housing, so <laughs> they, they just don't want anything. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle uh, in the middle on Airbnbs. I I do think that Airbnbs and Ubers and everything, the way that they started and that the way that they try to uh, build their business is really not something that I support. So, like, clearly, uh, whether it is, uh, uh, you know accommodation for tourists or uh you know a taxi these are licensed regulated things that have to uh where the all the market participants have to adhere to certain rules and laws and they have to uh do this and that and pay this tax and have that registration and whatever 
And these these firms were like, what if what if we just didn't do any of that? <laughs> what if we just pretended like we're different from a hotel and we pretended we're different from a taxi and we didn't have a registration and our drivers were not uh, uh, there's no fire codes, there's no uh, you know minimum level of service and so on. Uh, so um, in that sense, uh, I. I'm not a fan of their origin story, I suppose. Um, I also uh, think that uh, putting limits on uh, how much you can Airbnb something, like especially like a lot of in a lot of places, people have houses that are primarily used for being Airbnbs, but are not treated as you know prof- like uh, hotels or whatever. They just treated as housing i'm i'm against that um because it, it really does distort the housing market completely mm-hmm. um so if if somebody has a house and they go away and for like you know three weeks a year they airbnb that that's i think a completely different value proposition than than if somebody buys an apartment building and then airbnbs the whole thing but has no staff and doesn't do anything that a hotel has to do um, yeah so I, so let me let me jump in so I, I agree with you on the, the whole like unlicensed chaos that, that these things can cause at the same time. It has, you know, it does uh, shake up the industry in such a way where, you know, the, the, the strangleholds that have been held on uh, taxis or, or hotels or whatever, um, where you can't get in and it's a bit of a mafia sort of situation. Um, breaking that open has been good, but then it, it goes it goes too far. And I guess um, I'm in the middle as well where I can say I've benefited greatly from Airbnbs in cities. Um, but I've always enjoyed the ones where it's someone's home and, you know, they're not home, they, they're away or you're, you know, you're taking a room in their apartment while they're still there. They sort of say hello and that's it. Um, but at the same time, any apartment I've had, I've been to where it's clearly just for Airbnb, I've been like tricked into booking it has always been sort of gross and you, you really feel bad for the surrounding community that the, the little, yeah. um, Houses gone from, and I think that's it's hurt places like Lisbon and uh, Venice and exactly. you know, Rome and so on. So, and then, so it, this is what this is what happens with unlicensed, unregulated stuff. And then you have like uh, you you Airbnb your place out, which is in a random apartment complex, and then people do what people do when they're in holidays, which is that they party and they're loud and stupid and they drink and they throw things around. And congratulations, like you've just made my <laughs> life as as your neighbor absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah. So and that's uh, where it's chaos. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm. I, I, I can even say that I'm a little bit with the NIMBYs. <laughs> I, I can, I can, I can take a couple of weeks of, of you know, some Airbnb uh, happening in my neighborhood, but I wouldn't be okay with uh, an apartment up, like above me being constantly an Airbnb and like people going in and out and, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's when it's. It's when it's a full time thing. It's when it's it's when it's a problem. Um, Martin. Uh, okay, so some, someone asked the most interesting phone that you saw on your travels, um, or if a phone was too boring, some other device that you saw, you like, wow, I can't believe someone's actually using that in in the wild. Um, and I can answer you first because uh, even though no one cares about my trip to Ireland, um, I saw someone on the bus with an iPad Pro and the full Apple Magic keyboard stamping. And uh, <laughs> like they had it all set up. And at the time, I was like, wow, I just get a laptop. But then they're using it pretty well. You know, like they had, had the keyboard, they had the touch features. And I was like, okay, not bad. Like that's, that actually looks, it looked very expensive for the, for the setup that they had, but it was work. So who am I to say they're wrong? 
I mean, uh, Aaron from our studio is using an iPad Pro with the full Magic Keyboard setup, so uh, I see that I see that sometimes myself as well. It's, so some people on make a, it work on a bus, though. That, that's that's where not it on became. a bus. Yeah, no, yeah. The bus. The bus is a different different thing. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. Let me think about the phone. I remember in the past I was always surprised when I saw somebody with an, like an LG phone or like a Sony Xperia. Uh, I think yeah, oh yeah, I've seen I've seen somebody with a Xperia One Mark IV. I want to say in London, like uh, that was you know like you're like I see you, right? <laughs> you're one of those. <laughs> Fun fact: uh, we today, uh, well, yesterday slash today, we have this uh, graph that we show in our Friday checkout of the 15 most sold phones, like flagship phones in the world, and it shows. You know, all the top spots are iPhone, and then the rest is Samsung, and then one Huawei and one Xiaomi. And my favorite thing was that somebody commented that this graph is bullshit because the Xperia One Mark IV is not on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> my brother. Of course, of course. Like, people are so insanely wrong about the, like, structure of the, the phone market. It's just anything. Like, people are so, so insanely off like i don't think sony sold more than like you know fifty thousand, well, maybe more than fifty thousand. but just like they sold so few they're so far away from the top 15 yeah, but, yeah you know like because i like this and because i have like two other friends who have also convinced that they like this it must be the best selling phone in the world okay that, that I, just made me happy i'm not like gonna let us talk about this because it's too much because there's always but the sony xperia fanboys are some of the most vocal like out there they are yeah. rabid fans of their of their boy yeah. sony and they really want you to talk about them and if you don't naughty, naughty. they will go to war <laughs> yeah um okay, I, like, Martin, I, even, we... I even like sony oh. and i want them to succeed but i just sure? uh, I, I just wish that they had just like a tiny bit more and i could do it <laughs> all right but we end the podcast uh with our trivia fact corner um and martin this week um Survey says 53% of Android device owners switched to iOS due to prior phone problems and 26% for new iPhone features. And only 6% say they moved because of iMessage and FaceTime. So this was, oh, just give me one second. I just need to find where I put this survey. Um, this was something out of uh, 9 to 5 Mac, I think. Hang on. Quick stall for me, man. I need to find where I put this um, survey. No problem. In the meanwhile, I will say that uh, this is one of my longest standing theories that one of the primary reason why uh, one of the primary reasons why Apple is winning and why people have this perception that Apple has like some magically amazing products and that nothing ever goes wrong versus these like terrible Android and Windows uh, uh, products is that people switch from their 17 year old Huawei phone that like barely turns on anymore and then they switch from their 14 year old lenovo computer that like has you know three keys fallen out and the fan doesn't spin anymore and they've never cleaned it they switch from that uh uh both of which were you know like budget devices even when they bought them <laughs> many many years ago then you switch from that to like you know a 2000 euro <laughs> macbook pro or like a 1400 euro iphone 14 pro and they're like wow like would you believe it that the life life in the apple ecosystem is magic <laughs> like i have a couple of friends who did this like i think she, one friend of mine literally switched from a huawei y 
50 or like one of these like you know literally a five-year-old entry-level budget ass huawei phone <laughs> to an iphone 13 pro or something and was like just amazed at how nice it was and i'm like dude you could have bought any flagship android and it would feel just as magical to you <laughs> well because yeah, apple look- doesn't sell any anything other than flagship high-end nice products that are just guaranteed to be a good experience whenever people switch to apple it is almost always a massive upgrade and then it almost always feels like magic so that's that's part of the strategy i hear you um so i've got this earlier now thanks for installing um so it was from the consumer intelligence research partners group um and i I was hoping i'd find a little bit more about how many people said but um but basically what you're saying is right so someone's people are saying um of these 53% who moved to an iPhone because of their old problem with their Android smartphones, the specific cited was their old phone did not serve them because it was aging, needed repair, or had some deficiency that affected their user experience. And it's like, yeah, that's because you had it for so long. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I guess yeah. the interesting thing is, like, why is only why is only really Apple and Samsung the ones where they can say, uh, we make the best phones and they, they last a long time and you will get a great deal of years out of them if you really want to hold on to it for so long. Uh, you know, it just seems like that winning strategy has proved to be a winning strategy and doing anything else is, is madness. And I, I see this with Pixel phones a little bit. I I feel like a, a bunch of the Pixel phones have had problems prematurely. Um, you know, they, they've lasted the two years, but you haven't been able to get three years out of them because you know, a battery life problem or a button problem or it gets really hot for some reason or the screen starts to get a bit funny. And uh, I think Google's getting better. I think if you've tried a Pixel, you, you may not be like, oh, great, I'm going to get another Pixel for the hardware. It's mostly, it's almost only the software experience that's keeping you um, on. And then that's questionable considering what you can get from a Samsung as well. So I don't know if there's any statistics behind this. I've never used a Pixel, so I, I can't say if it's if I agree or disagree. But um, I, I do think that making a really good phone uh, is very, very difficult thing and and you'll you'll uh figure out how good a job a company did at the tail end of it um and i think a part of it is just samsung has been doing this for a very long time and they have a ton of resources and they're probably actually pretty good at what they're doing <laughs> and so is so is apple one of those weird cases where people know what they're doing do it well <laughs> would you believe it like Huawei was also crazy good at this, right? Like people really used their Huawei phones forever and they uh, uh, had really good optimizations and everything. And then goodbye, Huawei. No, they were superb phones. They were. They just, they absolutely were great hardware devices. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a shame. Really. Anyway, but um, we are going to wrap before we hit the 40 minute mark. So um, thanks for your thoughts as always. Um, what are you up to for the next little while making this nothing video? Yes, gonna go all in on the nothing video. Gonna try to get as many details as I can and uh, try to do some fancy animations. I have big plans. So uh, this is a video I'm Ooh. more excited about than many others in the past. So like this, I think it's gonna be really good. All right, nice little, nice little teaser there. Let's hope to see it soon. Um, but yeah, thanks for your thoughts as always, Martin. Um, you can check out Martin at TechOtar and the Friday Checkout, of course, on YouTube. Um, Mastodon's mostly where you are. Uh, I saw someone actually DM'd me asking you if you were okay because you haven't been tweeting much. Um, so <laughs> I told them, yes, yeah. you're fine. But you're on Mastodon mostly. 
<laughs> exactly. I've, yep. This Twitter detox has been very good for my mental health. <laughs> oh, oh, it's good. You look, yeah, you look happy. Well, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy Ireland. Do come back and uh, get some cloud, cloudy days here when you when you can. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Can't believe that, that it's more sunny in Ireland than here. It's unbelievable. People, the Irish have so yeah. many jokes to their weather. They're like, um, yeah, we have summer. It's on Wednesday. That was it. That was summer. <laughs> All that. <laughs> Yeah. But it's been, yeah, it's been really nice. So, and some of the, yeah, anyway, no, I can't let the secret out of the Irish have come my head. So we'll see how we go. But um, <laughs> thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you next Friday where we'll both be in Berlin for the first time. Hell yeah. All right. See you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Ciao.